not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 63, Would You Believe It? Uh, exciting news for one person, who I'll uh, reveal later on because, of course, this episode is the name that you suggested. We will reveal all of this in the SBG Magazine competition later on. I'll do a live draw uh, for the person who actually wins the magazines. We'll also be delving into the Battle for Unnumbered Tears, which is a thousand-point tournament uh, with a couple of uh, special rules. I'll tell you a bit about that in a minute. And it will pretty much be my last hurrah with the Easterlings. Uh, sad sad times but um i mean they they may well return at some point but i think at this point i've i've had my fun with them uh the it's fair to say my campaign has been successful i've uh, i've successfully got uh, the four uh, wins and two losses which i achieved at the uh, grand prix a while ago uh, i've done well in uh, with them and uh, the army is ten times better than it was when I started playing them all those many months ago. So I think I'm going to quietly retire them and we're going to start a new Menor army. So that's good. Uh, so uh, we'll talk about that in the next episode, of course, uh, which may well come fairly quick six after this one. But uh, we've got lots to talk about in this episode, uh, though I will warn you in advance that uh, this weekend uh, is, is going to be a bit of a calamity. Um, lots of things have gone wrong in the run-up to this weekend. Uh, my calendar has uh, just immediately filled with lots and lots of different uh, family-related things, uh, which I won't go into too much detail about, but uh, I also, my car failed its uh, MOT, um, which is, uh, if you're international, it's the, the uh, basically the test that makes sure that your car is roadworthy. Uh, I have two dangerous defects of my car, five mi- uh, major defects of my car, and multiple minor defects of my car, so it's for the scrap heap. I had to rent a car uh, to be able to do anything this weekend, or, and indeed get to work um so yeah it's it's been a bit of a bit of a full-on um few days uh, it's fair to say but um there will be a tournament um and there will be tournament interviews and of course list building and uh, talk to the uh, organizer and hopefully uh, catch up with the winner of the tournament as well but i'm afraid i'm gonna have to miss some of the games <laughs> So I'm not going to be able to do four and two this weekend because it's just impossible. I'm only going to be able to play for one game, uh, sorry, one day of this tournament. So uh, three games, but hopefully we can come out um, with some success uh, in the tournament anyway. So with that in mind, um, let's get into straight away uh, talking about the tournament uh, Battle for Unnumbered Tears. So uh, Battle for Unnumbered Tears is a 1,000 point tournament, uh, as I mentioned already, and it's it's, it's, I think it's, I think it is the longest running, or it's certainly one of the longest running uh, events on the Great British Hobbit League calendar. Um, it's ran by uh, Owen Wright and also uh, Ed Ball, who um, has, has helped, run, uh, helped run it with Owen for many, many um, moons. And uh, it varies year to year. I think last year they had a really cool um, one. They had a prime number of points uh, to celebrate the Prime Amazon Prime TV series, which as yet hadn't had a name. Of course, this year we've got Rings of Power. But uh, this time they want to do something a bit special. 
So the list building restrictions are as follows, uh, that you can have a single fully painted and based thousand point army, which is either good or evil, but you cannot have a red alliance, which is banned. Okay, so that's something that's fairly straightforward. Your army must consist of at least five models. Okay, so that rules out Smaug, Smaug and, you know, Sauron combos and stuff. Uh, your army may also contain no more than 100 models. Uh, the armies that contain uh, over 100 models will have the lowest pointed models removed from the army until it contains 100 models. Points lost due to removed models may not be substituted. So there you go. Uh, also, your army must contain at least one hero of legend, which is cool because it rules out some of those legendary legions that can be a bit of a pain in the ass, like the new, uh, what's it called, Legion, the Mirkwood Legion, uh, which doesn't have any Heroes of Legend, of course. Uh, it also rules out your um, Helm's Deep, Attack on the Helm's Deep, Assault on the Helm's Deep one, uh, because there's no Heroes of Legend. So there's it, it, a subtle, subtle changing of the, the meta here um, that may, may well affect what sort of heroes turn up, though I suspect. There'll be a few Saurons and uh, big heroes and stuff because of that. There's also a pretty cool uh, special rule to help you bring those big heroes. Whenever a hero legend is targeted by enemy magical power, they may, after all attempts to resist the magical power, have been completed and failed. Roll a d6. On a, d on a roll of a 6, the magical power has no effect. Might may not be spent to modify this roll. So, uh, and also you get... Um, if you roll that six, you can't be directed uh, directly targeted by any magical powers for the rest of the turn. So um, that's pretty cool. It, I, I like the idea of just thinking, look, you don't want your hero of legend to be shut down the whole tournament. Here's a little extra magical assistance, a one on a one and six, which is cool. So um, with all that in mind, uh, let's crack on and build an army. Worthy of Mordor. Yeah, for the final time, we're building an army worthy of Mordor, which is, of course, the Easterlings. And um, as I've mentioned already, we've got to have a hero of legend in there. So uh, I'm going to bring the Dragon Emperor. It has to be done. Now, I ummed and ahed about what to do with this one. Do I want to go, for example, the full Legion, Emperor, Ritabi, uh, Dragon Knights, Brawgear, that sort of stuff? Uh, do I want to bring some captains in there? Uh, I kind of was tempted to bring uh, two Dragon Knights because I do have another one that is spray-painted red but hasn't yet been finished because I've just never needed him. Um, but I decided in the end uh, to test out a theory which I thought could be the way forward for Easterling armies. And here is thus the theory. Emperor begins the uh, the building of the list. So Emperor, leader of... Uh, leader, so therefore hero of legend. Um... And there's one of him. There's in his warband, you've got 18 slots, and they are filled by five black dragon pikes, five Easterling warriors with pikes, uh, five dudes with shields, and three acolytes. Okay. Amder is the next one who's got his horse and his, uh, sorry, his armored horse. Uh, he is accompanied by three black dragons with pikes, three Easterling warriors with pikes, and three warriors with shield. Hmm. And we've got a cataphract with drum in there, so not a black dragon. F uh, the next one is Rutabi. Uh, in her warband, we have three black dragon pikes, two normal pikes, and three dudes with shields, and three acolytes. And then finally, we round it all off with a one-drop hero of Kamul on a fell beast. For 44 models, it's bang on a thousand points. Let me tell you the flaws. So, 
it's obviously not the Legion, so I don't get the re-rolls uh, for, for the heroes in combat, which is a downside. Uh, I also have to pay 11 points per Black Dragon with Pike. Um, but of course I have a lot less Black Dragons with Pikes, which is of course another downside. Um, but, and here's the big but, I get Emperor with a big banner and the plus five, fight five, which, you know, if, I, if he's in the right place, he should be supporting, uh, he should be giving the fight five to the back rank of Pikes, so I should still have fight five Pikes, which is good. Um, and he's accompanied by Amda, who is probably one of the more cost-effective uh, evil heroes in the game. I think Suladan's definitely up there, and some other people, Witch King are, blah, blah, blah. But, um, Amder fight six, he's got the Elven Blade, he's got all the attacks in the world, he's got a banner for himself, so he can just, you know, go off on sort of rogue missions and, uh, you know, do the flanking manoeuvres and not have to stay within range of the banner, etc, etc, etc. Um, he's also, of course, got Blood and Glory, and um, he's got that free heroic strike against heroes that are, uh, you know, going to strike against him. Again, all very, very nice stuff. So, and I want, I, th- I just think, I would really like to have three or four, in this case, massive Easterling heroes, because the Easterling heroes are now very good. You've got the Emperor, who's just all the stuff um, with Fight Six and the Elven Blade, blah, blah, blah. Amda, Fight Six, all the stuff, Elven Blade. You've got Ritabi, all the stuff, Fight Six, Master of Battle, not an Elven Blade, but Defense Seven, and pretty reliable. And then you've got Kamul, who, well, I mean, he's he, he can spend a point of will, and he can become fight six. And this is three, four fights, four fight six heroes here, or potentially four fight six heroes, which could, could be really, really powerful. Um, I mean, obviously, at a thousand points, you're going to come up against more fight seven, potentially. There could be the people like Elendil walking about, Azog, Bolg. Um, you know, the, uh, the big elven lords, Gilgalads, etc, etc. Sauron. But um, I like the idea of just having four, five, six heroes. That's cool. Um, obviously, weaknesses here. There's a massive glaring weakness, and it's Kamul. As much as I love the idea of Kamul being fight six, and, you know, having magical support and a monster with the potential for hurls and rends and blah, blah, blah... He's just not as good as the Witch King. And I was trying to trying to justify this over and over again to myself and thinking about, how, how, should I should I take the Witch King? And I thought, no, I'm going to take the pure Easterlings because I've been trying to make Easterlings great again and it's just not fair uh, to then drop in the Witch King at the end. But if you want this list to be... If you want to use this list, but just competitively, or just do one simple thing, swap Kamul for the Witch King on a Fell Beast with a crown and as much uh, might and fate and will as you can because he's just better um, he has better magic he's uh, not going to spend as much will to cast that magic because he's re-rolling his resists and his uh, uh, his casting rolls he's got four attacks on the charge rather than three um, you know he's got strike so he has all that stuff I mean yeah he doesn't have the potential to have unlimited will but I've never ever been able to last forever on Kamul um, through the unlimited will, he's always been left in a precarious situation by, for example, spending three will on something to resist, uh, to immobilise something, charge in, uh, bump your fight value up to, um, you know, one by one to uh, uh, kill a fight five hero and then squiffing the dice and then losing another will and you've realised you've spent five will in one turn without having done anything at all. So, um, and then you then starting on 12, 12 will means you've got now, you know, almost half left which sucks so 
that in mind, I, you should definitely have the Witch King. But there's still potential here. 44 models. Most of my models are fight, uh, defense six. I've got a drum to march for objectives. I've got the acolytes, which can put, you know, means I can focus some damage output in certain places. I've got a lot of fight five in the list, and I've got a lot of fight six heroes. And so I could, you know, I can fight up against elves and not feel like I'm completely outmatched. I, I think this, this really does have potential. I think the killing scenarios will benefit me greatly if they pop up on day two, which is the day I can make. Um, the objective scenarios, usually I'm fine with. I've got the drum. Um, it just depends what I'm up against, I suppose. But either way, I really, really think this could be a decent list. I, I, I assume I'm going to... You'll, you'll find out in the next hour and a half, um, or thereabouts, or maybe less, um, whether that's true. But... I, I think it has potential. I, I, I think it's the sort of list, if I, if I was playing a 1,000 points multiple times in a row, I think this 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 would be worth giving it a bash. If I, For example, if I have um, a get a ticket to Throne of Schools in December, I will probably go to uh, take this, but uh, Throne of Schools, I haven't got a ticket for. I am on the reserve list, but I haven't got a ticket. So uh, I would take this again, so you never know. They might come back. But that's the army. You've, you know the weaknesses. You know the flaws. We'll find out later. Uh, what actually happens in the tournament. But first... Riddles of the Dark. My precious. Yes, that's right. It's time for Riddles in the Dark, which is the time in the podcast where, A, I delve into the email inbox and uh, answer your questions and all that sort of stuff, but also, B, we answer the riddle. Or... Maybe we kick it down the road, which is what I'm going to do this time because I had a bit of a competition, which is dominating the email inbox. So, uh, first of all, let's remind you of last podcast's Riddle in the Dark. All you have to do is tell me who speaks next and what do they say. And I'll give you a tiny clue... This is linked to the tournament, in particular the name of the tournament, the Battle for Unnumbered Tears. So let's just have one more listen. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com And I will play the uh, the riddle clip right at the end of the podcast so you don't have to um, fanny around rewinding and fast-forwarding if you want to have a listen later on and email in. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com uh, Now, uh, I will... If you did uh, email in your, suggest- uh, your sort of uh, answers to that, then I will read them next time. But in the, f- mean- uh, in the meantime, we had a competition. Uh, I wrote an article for the SBG magazine, which is uh, Damien... Uh, O'Byrne and Tom Harrison's a wonderful creation, fantastic magazine uh, even better now, I've written an article for it now, uh, yeah, I, my good name besp- uh, my bad name besmirches their good pages, um, but I, I'm very excited to uh, to give away two issues of uh, this magazine to uh, to a lucky listener um, because of uh, Tom and uh, Damien's kindness so uh, that's what I'm going to do uh, they're both connected, it's a Fellowship of the Ring special series um, there's one episode, and they, uh, sorry there's Two magazines, and there's one magazine which covers the sort of the first half of the um, the ring bearer quests of the uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and another which covers the other half. And there's some um, stuff about how I won um, Fellowship of the Ring, uh, how I won uh, 
phone skulls with the Fellowship of the Ring and have some sort of tips on how to use the Fellowship to great advantage. Uh, having said that, you know, it's all theory, Hammer. Um, but I did win a tournament with it, I guess. So, you know, you could argue that I have some pedigree. Anyway. Uh, to do this, I said, I said to everyone, please get in touch with your suggestions, uh, ideally punny uh, episode names, for this podcast. Uh, and as you see, you already know what the winner uh, of the podcast uh, name is, because I said, I'll delve into the hat, or in this case it's a jar, of uh, paper. Um, so yeah, that's probably not be able to hear that. There you go. Um, you, a jar of paper with some names in it, and um, they're the people who are going to win um, the magazines, whoever, whichever name I pull out. But you'll already know the winner of the episode name competition. So I'll quickly uh, bash through a few of those episode names because uh, I just wanted to give you guys a shout out, really, because I really appreciate it. Uh, so um, Chalky1990 comes in. Uh, he's called Alex uh, in officially, but uh, his suggestion, uh, well, sorry, messages first. Hi, Harry, love the podcast, really piquing my interest in playing rather than just painting. Maybe the next episode should be called Arnorcond. I like this. I'm not sure on the connection. My boys have been clearly snubbed by GW and the hobby for far too long. Make to Arnold. Make to order for Arnold, please. Uh, I see, I see. Uh, yeah, no, I, I do love those Arnold models. It would be great to see them come back. Arnold Cond, really nice. Uh, if I was using Arnold in this tournament, it would be a surefire winner to be in the episode. But Alex, your name is in the hat. Let's carry on. Uh, Tim has gotten in touch he says given your non-attendance for half the tournament he knew about this in advance uh, and love of both Easterlings and late 70s 70s, early 80s pop brackets lovely Kate Bush I present to you this title featuring 80s pop Easterlings not being there here we go hello is it Ruta me you're looking for Boom, he says. Lionel Richie, OP new plastic crack, and a tournament report for a tournament you uh, uh, and a tournament report for a tournament you're only going to half of. Pun of the year, no need for a prize. Um, yes, I, I. You know what? This is fantastic. I really do enjoy this. Um, well done, Tim. Uh, Tim's a friend of the podcast, uh, and we we're meant to be staying uh, over w- uh, with each other uh, for the tournament. Um, he's helped with the hotel and all that sort of stuff, but. Um, and I had to apologise in advance for maybe not being there in the right time. So uh, he knew about this in advance. I like the 80s reference. I like the Lionel Richard reference. I like the Easterling reference. Very, very good. Your name is in the hat. Uh, now, let's see. Who else have we got? We've got Dakota Snyder. Uh, you've got um, the new po- next podcast name, The Gleaming Horde Have Prevailed. I like it. Uh, good. Thank you very much, Dakota. Uh, your name is in the hat. Uh, David Lennon's been in touch. Long-time messenger, first-time emailer. Just thought I'd come up and contest to uh, name an upcoming episode. If you go into the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, then the office title would be Entmoot, the Battle of Unnumbered Victories. Although you would need to provide an unspecified number of victories to make this work. Um, yep, uh, <laughs> that is true. And that would be a bit confusing, I think, if I just kept it secret. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. Uh, if you are set on including a pun for Numenorian army, you could go with Entmoot. New men or Ian's warriors. Although this requires you to know someone called Ian who has an alternative army list idea. Or maybe you could just name one of your captains, Ian. Either way, keep up the great hobby adventures. Thanks, David Leonard. David Leonard, thank you very much. Your name is in the hat. Uh, who is this? Who is this? Uh, here we go. Nathan Tolbert. It's got to be Harry puts all his Easter eggs in one basket. Uh, so there you go. Thank you very much, uh, Nathan. Your name is in the hat. Uh, it's actually a jar. But uh, who else we got? We got Mark Kittle. Can Newman? Uh, sorry, it's can Easterlings? It says delete brackets. Delete is appropriate. Can Easterlings be a top tiers army? 
very good. Obviously relies on it being about Battle of Nobody Tears. Doesn't feel great and a bit long, but I'd figured I'd have a go. Mark Kittle, your name is in the hat, and I like it. It was it's close. It was close, I've gotta say. Uh Sam Hoodie says, The Battle of Unnumbered Jeers. says Sam very good Uh, I like it it works for for many different reasons partially because I I won't be turning up till halfway through so people will be jeering uh, and also because I'm guaranteed to not do well because I've only turned up halfway through next Tom Wainwright gets in touch says uh, congrats on the recent Ardacon victories you get me myself and the Dragon Emperor making Easterlings great again a journey to Ardacon very good Tom thanks very much for getting in touch now the final one and therefore the winner of the competition. Tim alluded to it earlier, my love of Kate Bush rules this one. I'd like you to call the next episode Ruining Up That Hill, which is brilliant. It's just so good. It it, it evokes to me Rune, i.e. the Sea of Rune, where Eastlings are nearby. So that's good. Ticks that box. Running Up That Hill, A, reference, topical, also retro, love that. But C, I think I said A and B, I don't know whether I got... Yeah. Anyway, see, it also implies the difficulty. Running up that hill, it, 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 I think running up that hill is all about, um, you know, uh, uh, f- feminism and sort of empowerment and all those sorts of things. And I feel like the struggle for Easterlings to be successful is a similarly difficult, you know, task. Uh, not to compare, um, you know, Easterlings with, you know, the difficulties of feminism. I won't dig- start digging that hole. Um, but running up that hill, ruining up that hill is the episode name. Congratulations, Jack Davenport. You win kudos. Now, Let's find out who wins two SBG magazines. I will contact you for an address via the email that you've just sent. And I'm very excited to find out who it is. Right, here we go. I'm rummaging. I'm rummaging. You can hear the paper. Can you hear it? That is a that is a bit of paper. The bit of paper says on it, would you believe it? It's actually, it is. It's Jack Davenport. I saw Jack. There was only one Jack, wasn't there? Only one Jack in the in the hat. Jack in the hat. Jack Davenport. Bah, you just walk away with all the victories. That is the way I like to hear it. Jack, well done. Uh, I will be contacting you with an address. I will send you magazines. You will love them. Thank you so much for getting involved in the Entmoot podcast competition. Um, we'll have some more emails from the inbox. I think more people have sent stuff in, um, including Rowan May talking about um, Riddles in the Dark and um, uh, also the potential of using... Um, rings of power clips in the future he's got an interesting idea we'll delve into that next episode um that's it though thank you so much for your competition uh, entries really enjoyed it i may well do another name a podcast competition at some point in the not too distant future because i thought that was really fun and people got involved so i liked it right let's crack on with the podcast we've got to go on an adventure Stop. 
So we're here at Sanctuary Games here in Sutton in Ashfield and uh, the start of day number two, of course, uh, sadly, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, I'm not, I wasn't able to come to, for day one. So we thought now is the time to do a catch-up with the tournament organiser, or one of the tournament organisers, um, uh, Owen Wright, who uh, is working in tandem with Ed Ball, who, of course, is a Games Workshop employee, so won't be appearing on the podcast, sadly. Um, but, Owen, first of all, just before we get really into it, this is one of the longest-running uh, events in the Great British Hobbit League, and, and it must be a delight to see everyone back here. Yeah, it's actually wonderful. You know, to think that when we started, it was like 30 people each time, and we've grown in something where this year we've got 57, including yourself, and that's an incredible place to be. Um, and for it to be natural growth, and the, the league's growing, but it's nice to see it then impacting us individual TOs. It's not just creating more smaller events. We're getting to an hour size where soon we won't be able to fit in here, so mm. that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 and it's a lovely event. I mean, when, when I think this event was first run, it was in a, uh, in a church or an old converted church. It's now in this kind of more salubrious location with uh, sort of hot, hot coffee and, and donuts and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm going to say shout out to Sanctuary Gaming because they, uh, they host us every year and they, their movement of venue to the Sound Town Centre next to all your favourite facilities and uh, supermarket and stuff, it's great. But then the actual room is warm, it's light, the terrain's fantastic here, the coffee, donuts and cake. Although sadly they've run out of donuts, but we've got cake today, so don't worry. Um, it's all the stuff that really you want when you're gaming. You don't want to leave your table and you want to eat and drink as much as you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's what these weekends are for, yeah. isn't it? So um, before we uh, look into what's actually happened yesterday, uh, just give me a, a sort of summary of, of the, the tournament itself. There's, there's some slightly different um, rules restrictions. Nothing too restrictive, but there, there are some rules around uh, what people can bring to the event. Yeah, so we were trying, you know, mess around with people's army building in our events we've done lots of weird things over the years so this year we've gone a thousand points but you have to take a hero of legend um it it changes the meta because obviously straight away people go the urukai siege list uh assault and authority and things like that go out the window um but it also means things like gondor they can't just take boromir and go wild like they normally would they're going to have to bring in lsr or someone like that to, mm. to to boost their list and you know it's exciting i think to see some of the the characters that we all love from the films and books on the table smashing each other in and doing what they do so yeah yeah so so with that in mind on on day one what are the sorts of things that have have been appearing and and doing well it was quite i was quite surprised because you know we've got things like um Kalman's brought um the company with dane has taken a mixture of, of the two and you know, I, w- I wouldn't expect to see that in the top, but he's actually, he's currently fourth. Yeah, so he must have won all three games yesterday. Yeah, absolutely, and, and did it well. And then uh, World Champions, Minas Tirith, is, is up there with uh, Saruman. Um, we've got... So up there with Saruman, so he's got the white, uh, uh, Saruman from the White Council for the Hero Legend allied into uh, to Minas Tirith. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's such a strong combination. It's it's an old combination. Yeah. Hero, actually, that's, I think Mikolaj took that... Um, Back in the old days, with a fountain court spam and a, and a great a great combination, so it's good to see that back up there. Um, Jake Rawson, Lothorian. Mm. I mean, he's an up up and coming player. I think uh, relatively new this season, but um, we've spoken to him on the podcast a couple of times uh, now after winning a couple of events. Uh, he's won a, a, a eighty pointer and come ranked really highly in my tournament in Lincoln not so long ago. Yeah, and he's 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 playing well, and actually I've been impressed by his attitude through the day. You know, he was. He was positive throughout, and he didn't have easy matchups all the time. So, um, you know, sometimes you, you rise far above your own skill at big events just because you get lucky. But he's not had that fortune. Um, and then Clayton's legendary legion host of the Dragon Emperor, which 
I think we're all excited to see these uh, Dragon Emperors around because you know, it's a stunning model. Um, it's a rules headache because uh, <laughs> we even had questions before the start of the day of somebody saying, what if you set it on fire? And then the Dragon Emperor dies to all the individual men then for set on fire as they separate and stuff like that. But um, I don't mind those ones if I get to see beautiful models. Exactly. And it's, and again, it's nice to see a, a slightly different um, top five. You know, you say, I think Minas Tirith and White Council, Lothlorien, host of the Dragon Emperor, Erebor reclaimed. Uh, and Rohan is number five. That's Jason Riley, a, a, Lincoln, a Lincoln chap who... Um, to, to be fair, was doing quite poorly at my tournament <laughs> a few weeks ago, so I don't know whether it's uh, luck or fortune that's landed him here, but uh, he must be doing well with a, with a sort of standard, I guess, Rohan list. Yeah, and I, well, I know Jason from Star Wars Legion, where he's well known for being an incredible player in Legion, um, and he also plays uh, the Marvel um, Crisis Protocol, and he's very methodical, and he's really thought about his list, um, and he just t- he takes his time and makes sure he doesn't make mistakes, and I think that's hard to play against, so... Um, you know, if, if your opponent does the best thing possible, then it's only a matter of dice. <laughs> mm, exactly. So, so with that, uh, all that in mind, having a bit of an idea of what, what's doing well, um, what, what scenarios uh, did we have yesterday and therefore what sort of pools are left? It, it, or is that uh, asking too much of you uh, at this early hour? <laughs> uh, we started weird to the death, which everybody's favourite way to start a weekend, something where you just point and shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had Fog of War, which was not quite so well received because obviously you actually have to think in that mission and yeah. it's hard work. I, lo- um, I do love that mission though. That, and I'm sad to not be able to play that one. It's hard because like, that one and Heirlooms, like, they're two of the most awkward missions to play, but I l- they're the ones I want to play if I'm playing casual games. That's what I want to be doing. Um, you know what, I can't remember what the final mission of the day was. It was too late by that point. <laughs> yeah, 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 there's been uh, lo- lots of stuff has happened yeah. since then. Uh, either way, so that, that leaves, uh, I think, I'm, I'm sure uh, someone said there's, there's the objective scenarios, the object scenarios left, and does that leave Maelstrom a battle still to go? Oh, we had whole ground. Ah, that was right, okay. One. Yeah, so thankfully, yeah, you've, you've missed out on Maelstrom. Which, which is good, because Kamul uh, in, in my list is on his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah and the, the, there are, there's a double moment list, and there's a single moment list. And there's a Great Beast list. So, Excellent. Yeah, on Maelstrom of Battle. In fact, the, the, I'll tell you about the double moment list who uh, came up against the fiefdoms and wiped out almost an entire warband of the fiefdoms and removed Imrahil's horse and two wounds on Imrahil just coming on. Ouch, that's rough, that's rough. Yeah, so you missed that. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, we've got, uh, so we've got objectives and, and objects, and I don't know what the other one would be, but either way, there's, there's, some, there's lots of spready out missions by the sound of it today. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully it'll get, we'll start to see some of the, the manoeuvrability of the list come into play today, um, which yesterday we didn't see quite so much of beyond the, the whole ground where... Mm. So I suppose that, that may well, some of those uh, armies that are doing well at the moment, your Rohans, your Erebor um, heroes, those sorts of things may well have done well because of the combination of missions and see how, whether they can hold on to it uh, with the maneuverability and objective uh, missions today. Yeah, and, and obviously we, we all know when the missions fall your way, then, then that's, that's the best. And especially knowing that the pool's out the way as well, so you know you've missed the other listen. Mm. Like, there was a fair few uh, cries for joy when To the Death came up because Lords of the Battle was not coming. Mm. Uh, With all these heroes of legend kicking about, that could be an interesting one. Yeah, whereas the guy who took on Smaug in that game was there questioning whether they'd rather have had Lords of the Battle and killed all the surrounding goblins and bats instead. 
Um, instead, they just got pummeled by a dragon. <laughs> well, either way, Owen, it's, it's a pleasure to be back. I'm, I'm sad, sad to have missed out on yesterday, but I'm really excited uh, to, to take over uh, today and, and s- take the Easterlings to uh, victory, hopefully. Yeah, glory to the Easterlings. <laughs> <laughs> so the first game uh, of the second day of uh, the battle for unnumbered tiers, uh, playing against Greg and uh, playing retrieval here. Uh, so that's kind of the capture the flag sort of scenario, uh, where it's divided in a diagonal and you've got to move the move the flag away from the opponent uh, Greg first of all uh, you're, you're you're a regular at Seven City Collectibles I know you, you work there and um, you're not massive massively sort of experienced is that fair to say you played about 20 games or something like that yeah I've not not played a huge number of games like uh, obviously working at a game shop people are talking yeah. all the time about Lord of the Rings but like uh, yeah not not yeah. actually managed to get many Lots of theory, that. lots of theory, Hammer, but uh, that clearly has helped uh, in this game. But we'll, we'll get to the exact result in a second. And um, first of all, just give us a summary of your list because this is a pretty super cool list for uh, for retrieval, I guess. Yes, this list is pretty aggressive. We've got Azog, Bolg, and Fimble as the three leaders. Uh, Azog's leading ten warbats, and then Bolg and Fimble are leading eight, like twelve hunter orcs each. Mm-hmm. So it's a very aggressive list. Everything dies really fast. Um, and the manoeuvrability from the bats giving you a lot of options regarding picking up a flag. Yeah, and, and a surprising number of, of models, really, because it's, what, 33 or 34 or something like that? Uh, 38. 38. 38, okay, even more than that. So so quite a lot of models. Obviously, it's a 1,000 points, so you expect that, but you've got those massive hitters, the mobility, as you describe, uh, and a, a fair amount of Hunter Orcs as well in the list. Um, what did you? What was your game plan here, obviously, coming up against a relatively high defence, high fight, and lots of uh, big sort of Eastling heroes? Um, mostly I just wanted to like get in with Azog and Bolg and just sort of break the back of the phalanx and turn the game into just like an absolute scrap. Mm. So obviously the, the complete lack of any spears in the list means that you just need to turn everything into one-on-ones as fast as you can. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. And and to be fair, the, the bats really help with that, don't they? Because they can jump behind the lines, they can take away those spear supports uh, and things like that, which which can help new to the advantage of something like a pipe lock. Yeah, yeah, they're really excellent. In fact, pipe blocks are a little more awkward than spears because mm. spears you get to just jump on the other side and just everything's trapped on the first turn, and yeah. that's that's a problem. Yeah. So, so yeah, I have an advantage because I've got one in the middle, and it also supports the front or the back or whichever way around I want it. But also, the terrain setup is, is really really quite important on this one because uh, it's like this kind of Moria theme board, and there's lots of these. Um, sort of plinths everywhere so there's lots of uh, archways that, that can block things but also uh, they're raised up so there's lots of these kind of walkways um, that are elevated from the from the main field which is really handy for something like a flying army because it means you can jump in sit on the uh, on these things and know you're not going to get charged but also still have lots of threat range yeah I mean it, it certainly worked to my advantage on uh, a fair jump bunch of it like especially with like the alpha strike on like the first turn or yeah. two but like Kamul as well, being able to be on his fell beast and, and flying around, he when he landed sort of towards the centre of the board, that threat range is is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, I, I can't, my thought was that I chose the terrain, the, the densest terrain corner, um, where I, I could sort of castle up. And I kind of my my intention was to go right. Amder and uh, the drummer are going to go on a mission all the way around the board to get the objective, um, and just waited a couple of turns to. Wait, before your the Azog guys committed to the front line and the, the bulk of the force was was sort of fighting basically to break through to my objective uh, and then they could sort of go off on their own. Um, 
and, and then hopefully my, my phalanx will just hold out long enough to be able to stop you from moving the objective. Um, sadly, the the bats would just make that so much more difficult. Um, and obviously, as you pointed out, Azog and Bolg, I think it was a heroic combat, each of them for the first two turns, and they just took about 15 of my guys off in the, the first two turns, which was pretty brutal. Yeah, they, they certainly did their job in the first mm. couple of turns, like really racking up the kills, Bolg getting dangerously close to getting to mighty hero status. Yeah. Um, I feel like I made quite a large mistake with keeping quite so many back and not really enough to actually fight your Amda. Mm. So I had like not enough back where I was confident to fight your guys that were coming for my flag and I feel like I probably should have just committed even harder to getting through your, your lines. Yeah, you had this kind of half, you, you, I think Fimble and maybe 10 Hunter Orcs, but they were kind of in, the, in this nether region in the middle where they could neither stand resolutely on the objective and, and get a, move it and, and sort of uh, counter Amdo when he did arrive, nor could they really support in the middle. They did have bows so they could uh, fire the odd shot in, but it didn't quite have the swing. You're right, I think if Fimble had gone one way, the, the, the central force uh, of mine would have been broken much quicker uh, and all the heroes would have been under even more threat with an extra striker kicking about. But I think my heroes did a cracking job, uh, in particular Ratabi and the Dragon Emperor, just surviving so long and with the, with the magical support um, from the uh, from Kamul just being able to try and isolate Azog a few turns but Azog was remarkably resilient despite the fact that I'd uh, immobilised him or sent a lot of magic his way a few turns yeah he got incredibly fortunate to get immobilised and trapped and actually come out the other side mm. um, so he, he certainly uh, I mean, his heavy armor paid for itself. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. But having said that, he did strike a couple of times and not quite get to where he wanted to be, and I did get to the 10 each time. So I think the fact that I'd won three combats against him was probably slightly unstatistical, but then it was, it was favored by the fact that you survived three combats where you were trapped and I was uh, killing. So I think it all balanced out pretty much in the end. But um, I guess the, the, the victory here came because you just had, had plenty of these bats. I mean, there's only three of them left at the moment. One of them uh, lost a wound. But you had all these bats just circling around, ready to jump on the objective uh, in the very final turn, which just gave you the, the, move, the uh, ability to move when you'd lost priority. You could jump at the end uh, and pick up the objective, which gave you an instant three points which was completely uncontestable right at the end of the game so I think that has pretty much uh, won you the game because it ended up being 6-4 to you um, so you'd uh, broken me I was un uh, and you were unbroken I think you were still three off or something like that uh, I'd managed to wound Azag but not kill him so I only got one point for that I'd moved your objective but not quite far enough over to the other side of the board so it just gave you that, that pip but I think we need to focus... You mentioned your Hunter Orcs that were left to defend Amdo and the objective that I was trying to nick. Um, the bows were pretty much instrumental in winning you the game. Yeah, yeah, they, they successfully managed to shoot both the, the drummer and Amdo's horse out, which mm. was... Actually, I guess they just shot Amdo's horse out because the other one had to dismount to pick up the yes. objective. Um, but yeah, sh shooting out that horse made a massive, massive difference to being able to... Uh, keep Amder from getting back into his own deployment zone. Yeah, exactly, because I, I was moving nine inches uh, for the last two turns rather than moving 15 uh, with a drum. And 15 inches, uh, two, two turns in a row, that's, that's massive. Like, that's, that's the 12-inch extra move. That would put me very close to being off the board edge, if not um, very, at the very least into my own deployment zone, which would have uh, swung it to a, a win for me by one point, I think. Uh, I think it would have become 8-4. Yeah. 8-6, uh, sorry. Yeah, 8-6. Yeah. So a, a massive swing, so, but in, a, a crucial. And I guess that's the value of leaving those Hunter Orcs behind rather than uh, in combat where I could have just killed them. Um, they, were, they were safe 
um, and they were able to shoot. So, so I think there was some canny play, play there, uh, and obviously Azog and Bolga just so hard to hard to beat. They're still kicking around. They've still got their um, wags, uh, and they're still smashing through people right at the very end. But it ended, as I say, at 6-4. It was a really, really uh, well fought, and, and I thought it was a really thinky game. Lots of lots of to and fro, and it, and it could have gone either way, which is always a great uh, great result. So thank you so much for the uh, game, Greg. Best of luck with the next one. Cool, thank you very much for the game. Best of luck. Game number two of day number two here at the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, and uh, I'm playing Elliot, and we're playing Divide and Conquer, and we've got to be fairly quick because we were, took ages to get to the last round, so we'll keep this one fairly brief. But first, Elliot, give us a run-through of your army because there are some familiar faces on the board. Of course, yeah, so uh, I'm doing a Mordor Easterling Alliance. I've got uh, the uh, uh, Dragon Emperor uh, with the Witch King on Fell Beast uh, as my two main hitters, uh, and then I've got Cardouche and Ritabi for the Master of Battle. It's basically just a front line of Moranans, strength four, fight five from the Easterlings with the banner, magic, uh, 47 models at 1,000 points. Quite low might, but that's, that's just the army. You've got the master of battle, of course, just like I have. Well, now, uh, I mentioned at the start of the podcast that the Witch King is clearly better, a better choice than Kamal. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm very aware of this, and I've lent into the pure, um, the pure Easterlings because I just want to. But... Um, what did you have in mind here in this one? Because obviously we're divided up, so half of your army is on one side, uh, one corner, half the army is on the other, there are three objects in the middle. Obviously you're, you're leaning into the Fight Five uh, yeah. spear support with a strength four front line. Yeah. How, did you, how did you plan that out? Then? Yeah, I mean, it was hard because obviously I had my Easterling half start on one side of the board and my Mordor half on the other side. Uh, I did take a Mordor drum and an Easterling drum, so I was able to move together quicker than uh, you know other lists uh, you know, maybe would have, but um, it was still hard when we got to the middle. I did get some front to back with the Moranans and the Easterlings, but not as much as I would have wanted. I think these ruins really made a huge difference. I was able to block Harry off from getting onto the central objective. I think that might have been what decided the game, along with a quite lucky uh, Emperor off with uh, Kamal, I'd say. Well, uh, I mean, I. I the, I don't think you, you you got lucky really. I think you did just I play it. Pro you, well, I mean, the, yeah, okay, you passed all three fate, fine. But um, you you played it very well. You mentioned the ruins. Um, there are these I, people remember these old Middle Earth ruins that are like scatter rubble. They're like little uh, statues that have fallen over and all this, and they're just smattered through this middle bit. There's, if it wasn't for these three or four rock rock things there'd be a massive arena in the centre, yeah. which I think would have been really beneficial to, to me because uh, I, the, the way I sort of came in was just, just a bit more skew-if than you because you've had the, uh, the speed on the drums in both half your armies, which is yeah. a really good idea. Yeah. Um, so I, but I think I made a big mistake early on in that I tried to send a large portion of my force that, yeah. round a ruin. And my intention was crack through bits of them and wrap round the back so that I, I would take away your fight five yeah. and it would all it all be grand and jolly and everyone would love things. Yeah. But you've rather cannily um, just held up and held them up and held them up. Moranans. When you're strength three, uh, you know, I... I know that if I sit there and shield, even with the spear support, like I know I'm doing pretty well, I told you off. Mm. What you were saying with the Eastlings trying to send them around the back of the ruins, I had a similar kind of play with my uh, fight five, well, fight four up to five uh, cataphracts uh, on the flank as well. I think that, because uh, you did have quite a lot of models uh, around the center objective, when I hit those four in the back, uh, that did kind of swing the numbers in my way quite a lot. But yeah, I think kind of putting yourself in those ruins early, also with the smaller ones as well, uh, with the Emperor there, it, it makes moving quite hard. It creates some quite some annoying bottlenecks. You mentioned magic already. Um, 
Amder was basically isolated throughout the, the whole game because um, my intention was he will push through that, that sort of contingent of Moranas on the side. Yeah. I could sense the Witch King was clearly very scared of him, keeping his distance, quite rightly so, because I've got the higher fight, I've got a free strike, when you strike, it could have spelled doom for the Witch King. But you got got rid of the horse on the second early. shot didn't you yeah early on uh, I just knew that obviously Amda is very scary I've never played against him before but I took out the horse uh, although my Witch King's on Fell Beast he doesn't have to be uh, you know throwing himself into combat to be threatening uh, Kamal on the other hand kind of has to put himself in there which you did uh, you killed Cardouche turn at, like two or three or something yeah I didn't uh, even have so many will either no yeah. no so uh, you kind of have to chuck Kamal in there uh, you did a really good play with him on the Emperor to obviously try and take him out uh, you know it could have gone either way but um yeah, I think I got a little bit lucky. Yeah, so the, the Emperor thing, I, I spent four four will, I think, to um, try and immobilise him. Yeah. Um, and then uh, then I, I went, and then I think you resisted it, didn't you? Or uh, I can't, I, I'm starting to lose track now. But anyway, I, whatever I did, I tried it, I tried it, and then I put uh, Ratabi and Kamul in there. Um, I had to spend my on Kamul to resist a spell from um, the Witch King, which which would have uh, which would have yeah, immobilised me essentially, so I can strike. So it was either spend a might to resist it or spend the might to strike. And I yeah. thought, right, I've got to go hard or go home. So I got heroic combat with Ratabi into the Dragon Emperor. Kamul was in there too. I thought this is my big chance. Uh, um, if I get a wound, at least I'll have done something and gained a VP. Alas, it it just went the wrong way. I think you you spent. One might in the end to uh, bump up your final fate roll, but you got I think two, uh, a, two a three, actually. Oh, two, two. It was two, yeah. So a two and a five and a six, something yeah, like that. Yeah. So you you survived. The emperor survived that shot, but that meant essentially Kamal was gone because he'd spent so much will resisting and um, spelling it, it immobilizes at the uh, at the, the dragon emperor. That it was yeah. it was tricky. And and as you mentioned already, my my contingent of guys, they're all about. 10 12 inches away from the center so i've got i've got two four six eight nine uh, ten eleven twelve maybe 12 of my guys are just miles off the central objective and uh, and I, I knew kind of halfway through that i was going to be blocked off by moranan standing in a doorway moranan standing on the edge it was just hiding to nothing so i was i kind of i frustrated myself by by doing that the other thing that i should have done in the last turn was um there was a, a an objective and I decided in a penultimate turn to help out the trap on, well, what I thought was going to be a trap on the Dragon Emperor. I charged my drummer guy into two Easterlings to try and hold them in place to then pin it around. I should have contested the other objective, which which would have, I don't think it would have made much of a difference, but it would have helped in somewhat in the end. As well. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, with that uh, drummer there, though, pinning uh, the two Black Dragons that I had originally sent round to help, but I didn't even see that you could just charge them in, that could have helped you pin the Emperor and trap him for yeah. that big shot there with uh, Kamal and Ratabi. It very almost happened had you moved uh, Ritabi ever so slightly to one side. Yeah. Could have been a trap. I think it was control zones the issues that I, yeah. I just couldn't get get the get close enough to make the full trap, which yeah. was a shame. Yeah. But having said all that, um, it was a really tight game. It was really well played. Um, ended up being five two to you. So so as I mentioned that if the drummer had gone round and done this circle and contested the objective, that would have reduced it to um, neither of us would have got any points for that. So it would have just dropped down from yes. three. Two to uh, five, two five to two, three, two. three two. So it would have been a narrower loss, but uh, uh, still a loss uh, either way. Uh, Elliot, it's great. I'm, I mentioned at the start, this is probably the way to do an Easterling army. If you really want to do it, I think you need to have the Witch King, not Kamul, because that's just so, he's just so much better. Uh, and having the strength form around in the front line is really, really solid. And Kardosh is not a bad addition. I, um, I'd, I'd be tempted, yeah, for the Fury, I'd be tempted by a, a Gorolf or something like that. But yeah. 
hey, I, I, I can't I can't sniff at it. You, you've won the game and, and played it really well. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's at high points. I went to uh, Imps, funnily enough. Uh, at 900 points, I faced Terror in like four out of six games. So I thought, have to take Cardouche when I've got a front line of, uh, you know, Courage 1 if, if there's a Wraith Orcs there. Um, I'm not I'm not too sure if it's the best way to run Mordor Easterlings. Uh, to 750 in a couple of weeks, I'm taking a load of Acolytes. Uh, so... I think there are different ways you can run it, but um, it's been okay this weekend. Interesting. Well, Elliot, best of luck in the final round. And you just heard the, the shout for the draw, we so we'll see in a few seconds who I've just been playing in round number six. So the final game of the Battle of Unnumbered Tears and playing against Dan. And we've got um, Domination to play against. And first, Dan, just give us a bit of a summary of, of what's in your army because you've got some elves there. Uh, yes, yeah, so I took a... Um it was almost a complete Lothlorien force, but I chucked in some Fellowship at the end. So I took uh, I took Legolas and Gimli, the idea being it's uh, sort of fourth age, and they're on their lads' tour of Middle-earth, sort of victory parade. Um, that was the sort of theme uh, theme I was going for. So it was quite Elvy and, and a random dwarf. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got a bit of Gimmers, got a bit of Leggy, and all the other good ones. So you've got Celeborn and, and Galadriel here, so you've got some magic, you've got some high fight stuff. And when you're coming up against the Dragon uh, Emperor and the Fell Beast and all that sort of stuff, what, what sort of stuff did you have in mind? What was your plan for, for the tournament? Jeez. It's the first time I played against Dragon Emperor, so the, the, I, I just thought I'd try and slow it down. It's quite an imposing uh, beast, obviously. Um, it, that, I think that worked well for about two or three rounds. Mm. Um, and then I think you, you kind of broke through and started killing some of the pajama elves, uh, which is going to happen. So I, I felt I was quite successful slowing the uh, Dragon Emperor down. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an impressive model in it, many ways. Yeah. I mean, it looks it looks cool for starters, but also it's got all this really handy stuff. And I think this is probably one of the few times that I've had it really front and centre um, and kind of really going for the combats a lot of the time and against Celeborn as well so yeah, yeah. it was it was pretty dicey uh, but luckily um, I think the, the magic that you did was pretty unsuccessful against him <laughs> yeah. and, and Galadriel was really far yeah, away yeah. so uh, wasn't able to, to cast much on the Dragon Emperor but uh, the bits of magic that I did get through onto Celeborn from Kamul did do a little bit to, yeah. to sort of yeah. to basically more it didn't actually help me kill him but it did stop you from yeah. doing a lot of uh, nasty stuff to me so I think that was really successful but there was this big bit of terrain so at the central objective there's a sort of house uh, it looks like a brewery of some sort uh, uh, and it's a, a cool bit of terrain and um, most of my army was in the middle flank so sort of stra straddling between these two uh, two central objectives but I sent Amdur and a con his contingent around the back uh, basically to counter off Leggy and Gimli but the main objective really was to s sweep around the, the back and start either pulling people away from the, the main line so that you started sending dudes over there to stop Amda breaking through or to eventually circle around the back and trap you like a hammer and pincer sort of thing. And, and it sort of worked because it, it, Gimli was, uh, was surrounded th three or four <laughs> yeah, turns and he eventually went down. But, yeah. but it, it, I think crucially it, it started taking the spears away from, uh, from the main line and bringing them to a sort of form this li yeah, extra line yeah. of defence, which yeah. I think really worked. Yeah, it did. And I think actually where I, I, I stupidly deployed Gimli sort of a bit to the left or, or my left, and actually I probably should have thrown him into the mix a, a bit quicker because he died quite quick actually by, by his usual standards. Um, I, I was pretty glad I slowed you down for as long as I did though because mm. like the elves can be... They survive, yeah, but they're, they're low strength, aren't they? You know, they've got small, uh, weak arms. So um, I was pretty happy. Uh, I, I think the end result was 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 really fair, actually, in that. But yeah, um, the, the dragon emperor is just. Uh 
it's fascinating playing against him. It yeah. really is. So. He's, he, he really creates lots of decisions. You're right. I mean, we were both bouncing against each other largely. <laughs> the, well, both needing sixes, but I suppose I've got the slight edge there because most of the time I had the three dice or even the acolyte, so four dice looking for the six. Uh, and you did have some of the pajama elves uh, hiding in there. So just uh, being able to crack through a couple of times, and also the odd you didn't all have shields, so you had the odd bowman and yeah. the odd uh, uh, the odd gladium court in there that that just made it a little bit easier to swing around eventually. So um, I think in the end, I we, we called it a draw in the middle uh, central objective because we timed out um, uh, because it, I think it was exactly there although yeah, things would have gone on to and fro maybe in the next turn uh, but you definitely had one objective on your right and I had more guys on the back objective but I yeah. crucially I'd secured for definitely two other objectives yeah, 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 and I'd yeah. broken you and I was miles off breaking yeah, so yeah. so it, it ended up being a 5-2 victory five two, which yeah. as you say I, I think that seems think fair reasonable isn't it yeah and uh, as I've not been playing very long uh, and as a new player it was, it, was, it was good to sort of play uh, I suppose some of your experience but, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with uh, with with that result and actually I've just found the Galadriel I love taking her but in this Lothlorien list I just I feel like she needs some slightly more offensive magic because there's a big point sink and actually she's sometimes a bit obsolete really mm. so I think here you you, you you probably were too cautious with her because yeah. um, I, I know you were afraid of Kamal jumping over the lines and, yeah. and giving her in one go but you, she was so far away and like she kept popping back in and doing the odd transfix and stuff but it, it, as you say it was just immobilising Kamal for a turn or, or Ritabi for a turn or whatever but it, it never felt like you, you combined that magic yeah, with yeah, something yeah. like for example immobilise Ritabi and then have a, a captain and blah 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 and you know surrounding a Ritabi and really threaten me it was always you've pressed pause on that hero for a turn which I didn't mind so much <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and that's absolutely right and I, I was trying to I, I, I stupidly and foolishly forgot for about an hour um, that, um, that your, your Dragon Emperor was your leader mm. and I think you even said a few times oh it's my leader and I sort of just neglected that and sort of left him and kept going for uh, Kamal wasn't it your, your Easterling um, had I thrown more into the Dragon Emperor actually because I trapped him against well you can't see I trapped him against that, that brewery house thing Actually, if I'd been a bit more aggressive, like you said, maybe throwing Gladriel in, maybe try to, uh, you know, compel the Dragon Emperor away, or I don't know. Um, yeah, I probably should have thrown Gladriel in because actually she's quite hard to kill, isn't she? Yeah. Really? Yeah, she's not. She certainly could be behind the lines and yeah, and, yeah. and 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 crucially calling moves and, and being. If you, she was in the centre rather than being really far onto one flank, it would have helped you have uh, move offs in the middle, which I seem to dominate pretty much consistently. Yeah, yeah. And also the magical power could have been spread all over. And then yes, sure. you could have immobilised the Dragon Emperor once, and um, and Celeborn probably could have yeah. done the dirty uh, on him, or certainly done yeah. a wound, which might have levelled things off slightly. But yeah, I I think other than that, I, I do think you. you did remarkably well. You perhaps stretched your lines a bit thin, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but other than that, it was a good game, and I really yeah, enjoyed, enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. Yeah. Nice way to end absolutely, the weekend. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, thank, thanks for the game, and uh, yeah, it's nice to get a bit of experience playing against uh, someone like yourself. And well, uh, I mean, I'm I'll, I'll, I'll I'm, I'm still on table lots. twenty, whatever it is. So I mean, I know I didn't come here yesterday, but still. Uh, either way, uh, Dan, thanks very much for the game. It's cracking. Yeah, thank you, Ray. Cheers, sorry. Thank Cheers. you. What a great build-up, and what a disastrous finale for this finale of uh, Easterlings. It's quite fair to say they're being retired to the dust right now um there you go three games i know it was truncated um so who who knows what would have happened if i was drawn uh, game one with someone who i could beat and then play different people throughout the tournament who knows what could have happened maybe i could have been on the top tables maybe i could have ruled the roost and become successful as it happens that didn't happen i started sort of three quarters down because uh, I swapped in for someone else who dropped out on day one because uh, I don't know why because they shouldn't have dropped out I don't think um, 
and I uh, had to swap in for them and because Owen and uh, and Ed basically said you're not a terrible player you can swap in for them instead of starting at the bottom and I thought that sounds really annoying but fine I'll do that maybe I'll get some um, uh, good really good hard games rather than you know playing someone who's uh, who's you know fresh to the game or something like that um, as it happened I got fisted two uh, two games in a row uh, and then just about scraped a win uh, in the end so uh, you know these things happen but on the other hand I did have a really good time um, it proved to me exactly why Kamal isn't very good um, he did die in the end I think two games out of three maybe maybe all three actually um but i didn't care as much as i used to care when kamal went down because kamal used to be a leader or the second big hitter in the army now he was just the fourth fiddle and and you know, he was pretty good at times he did some magic he did some killage nice way to have him as the fourth hero in the list i think the list still has potential i may end up using thousand points of easterlings in this format maybe very exactly the same again at throne of schools but it's unlikely to, uh, to be gracing the tabletops regularly because I have a Numenor project on the way. So, with that in mind, uh, we've uh, heard my uh, trials and tribulations. Who should we speak to to find out who won the tournament? Well, I'll, I'll tell you now, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, this uh, podcast has been uh, a bit of a... Well, this uh, this tournament, really, weekend and the days preceding and post, post it have been a bit busy in life. Um, so we need to find out um, who the winner is, but it all happened uh, in a rush at the end of the tournament, which I had to leave quickly from. So uh, I ended up catching up with the winner down the line. We're joined now by Jake Rawson, uh, the winner of the battle for Unnumbered Tears. Uh, and not the first time you've been on the podcast either, Jake. Just remind us, where, where have we heard from you before? Uh, so most recently, it was the uh, Seventh City Tournament, Rings of Men, I believe it was. That was my uh, my recent win a few weeks ago with a, a similar list to uh, what secured me the win this time, in fact. Yeah, yeah. And I think at the end of that podcast, I pointed out that you'd done really well in another tournament. And I was I was sort of uh, hinting um, a little bit about the the potential future uh, a career of, uh, of Jake in the SBG scene. <laughs> and then look, it's come to life. Uh, so this is exciting. So and um, first of all, yeah, you hinted the, the the army that you used um, there is a slight restriction on, uh, in this tournament you've got to have uh, a hero of legend um, uh, in every army list so you've got a thousand points to spend what did you bring to Battle of Unnumbered Tears? So yeah, with the uh, the hero of legend requirement there was only ever one obvious choice for me um, and that was uh, Galadriel from the Lothlorien army list um, I, I, she's a fantastic caster obviously really cheap points um, but the there's another special rule in the tournament this weekend where heroes of legend get an extra chance for resisting magical attacks. So um, for a hero that wasn't really going to be in combat and that's going to be doing most of the time casting or being cast upon, um, that felt like a, a really good selection. Um, and then with with her, I decided along my uh, well, a couple of my favourite uh, elf heroes, the the twins, um, Eladan and Elwa here. Uh, everyone really knows I'm famous for making this big push that they should never be mounted and. They say it's the hill I'm going to die on, but I stand by that decision. Um, and then uh, Rumil and Orphan as well, my uh, two favourite Lothlorien heroes. So um, smattering of your standard troops, couple cavalry thrown in there, a sentinel just for a little bit of fun and a, a fair amount of the guard of the Galadrim court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, uh, covering all bases. Yeah, a, a fearsome elven list there. I mean, what, what sort of numbers did you get up to? Bearing in mind, this is a thousand points, of course. Uh, 46 models mm-hmm. total. 
That is that is a quite, solid number. Quite I mean, high for elves. yeah, yeah, that is very high. And you've got uh, was it four, five heroes, I suppose, because the twins count as two, don't they? So, um, yes. so yeah, so it's a solid number of heroes, uh, resistant to magic, of course, across the board. What is it about um, Lothlorien that seems to be doing well, or certainly in your hands? Uh, I, I couldn't speak for for everything else, but um, I I quite like the fact, as you've just mentioned, there, resistant to magic on an army is is phenomenal. Um, it's a, a big nuisance for those expensive casters having to spend extra will to make sure things are going off. Um, just having great access to a, a variety of spicy elf troops with the, the Fight Six Guards, the Fleet Foot Cavalry for objectives. There's so many different things you can bring to a list from Lothlorien that um, you're able to keep your opponent guessing and faint for things. So it's um, there's a lot of tricks you can throw in. Um, and of course, Having the support of just some amazing fight six combat heroes for less than a hundred points is is really really good too. Yeah, I mean, e- I mean, even captains and and things like that are, are, are solid at fight six. But an orifin or something like that with uh, with three attacks and the the extra special th- knockdown. I think we spoke about exactly this ahead of uh, ahead of my event uh, that I ran, and you, yes. you were talking about orifin and you took him to there to great success as well. I think was it uh, you came second or third in in uh, third, at Imps as well. In, in Imps, yeah. So yeah, so you've come literally uh, pretty much three or or thereabouts uh, on a bounce uh, of tournament wins or podiums. So it is looking really good for. A, for, for you as, as being a quality player, but also um, uh, for this army uh, doing particularly well. And, and strangely, historically, not been taken to top tables that often. And, and I know uh, people will say, oh, uh, uh, Jay Claire just won Articon with it as well. But you know, <laughs> it, this is not a tournament uh, winning list or hasn't been for a long time. Why, why do you think people have ignored it? Uh, honestly, I, I didn't, until you said just then, I didn't know that it wasn't a, a very successful big list. I've only quite new to the game myself, not really been following what is successful at different tournaments and what list people take in. I just tend to kind of focus on what, what I do, really. But um, it does surprise me that it's not been uh, too successful after you just saying that because it just seems to cover a lot of strong bases. And I'm quite surprised that a lot of people don't take it, really, especially with the troops, that well, the, the models in general being quite accessible. They're not some of your more expensive ones that you find out there. It's a, a list that anyone can build, and I would assume anyone could do well with. But um, even amongst my group of gamers, there's just not a lot of people that... Uh, that like to play it, and I'm not sure why. That's an interesting point. The, the availability of the models is something, I suppose, that can really help people start this army because, I mean, you can literally buy uh, a couple of plastic box sets for the Galadrim and the um, the Galadrim Knights, which is a great start. You can get you um, Celeborn and uh, uh, and Galadriel in one set, and you can get your Rumel and Orofin in, in another now. So I suppose it, it is all available and all quite handy to do, and, and even with new Forge World models for, for those, uh, those heroes as well. And and the uh, Gladium Court. So it, it is quite available, whereas, you know, you, I don't know, you, you probably don't see many half-trolls kicking about partially because no, it's so hard no. to get your hands on. But I, I mean, Although hopefully we'll see a few more of those soon with them coming back around. Yeah, indeed. Although no, I think they, they sold out push. pretty much straight away from what I gather. But... Yeah. Uh, but um, I wanted to say one of the things that people always say to me when I play against um, their elves uh, and particularly Lothlorien they, they sort of say oh yeah but it's the strength three that really lets it down it's it's really hard to kill stuff uh, and, and you know I found that with my Eastling army but it's slightly easier with an Eastling army because you can potentially get you know four uh, four dice so you've got like an acolyte and two pikes behind it looking for that six to wound something how have you found uh, well I suppose how have you navigated that potential problem uh, well yeah it is a, a big criticism of the army being low strength but at the same time there are a lot of other troops out there in the game that are strength three um, and having not really played a lot of strength four armies myself it's something I've 
sort of become accustomed to. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's some ways around it. You know, the elves with the weapons they've been given are able to to faint. You can two hand. So there's all these different options for increasing your chances for for getting the wounds and getting the kills. And obviously, your heroes will do a good amount of the work with the, especially the heroes I bring, Orofin and twins, each having three attacks can can cut through a lot. But um, if you're stacking your attacks in the right way, then eventually you're going to win a lot more fights and you'll end up getting a lot more kills because strength only matters if you're winning the fight. Um, so... Yeah, yeah. That, that's a strong point. That you know, uh, if you if you've got fight five and six scattered about the army, you, you're not going to lose anywhere near as many. And and I suppose it's just about canny play, isn't it? About working out uh, where you can get your traps, where you can press your advantage, where you can um, start uh, letting those kills kind of sl- snowball. I suppose with things like a little trap yeah. here at the end of the line, a little trap at the other end of the line, and then slowly wrap them out. And because you have such high numbers in this army, um, with such high fight value, high numbers, and a little bit of uh, trickiness here, there, and everywhere. I, I suppose it, it it means that you're able to dictate where those traps happen and and, and get that uh, kill that you, that you might not normally have had if you were playing back to back. Absolutely, and the the low pointed heroes as well. It's a it's a lot more forgiving way of running an elf list because if God forbid I make a tactical blunder like I always do at some <laughs> point and a hero goes down, it's it's only eighty five points in my army. I've got loads more heroes there with a good amount of might. And they can sort of pick up the slack a little bit, so it's um, it's a good way to make them a, a bit more expendable, mm. which more often than not, with a fight six hero, will end up paying off. Um, I'm I'm just uh, just a quick one. Are you are you going about a third bows uh, by the way in the list, or, or is it less? Yes. Than that? Yeah. Okay. Thought so. Yeah. Ma- maximum bows um, usually on the the Rivendell side for the rerolls. Um, uh, okay. Plus, so uh, so Lothorian bows are also good as well. Yeah. Yeah. As well. So th- a third in both both contingents. Yeah. That's that makes sense. Yeah. Um. And just finally, in terms of this tournament, obviously this is a this is a GBHL 100 point tournament. So this attracts some of the the top players, and there certainly were uh, some cracking players uh, at the event. This weekend um what were the the trickiest games you had and, and what armies did they have well there were there were quite a few interesting games um to be honest the the list that i would have thought i would struggle with most um i'm, I'm gonna have to apologize to him now if he's listening so i can't remember his last name but there was a bloke called ken who bought a, uh, a sauron and catapult list which was a very strong list uh, over the weekend, I believe. But um, I luckily came up against him in a Maelstrom game um, where the catapult was all but useless because we all came in and surrounded it. But um, that was a, a very strong list. There was a lot of Necromancer uh, lists at the weekend as well, the, the Legion with all the Nazgul and the Keeper in, and they were doing very well on the top tables. Um, but again, I, I got lucky and drew a lot of uh, objective-based scenarios against those for my games, which with 46 elves and... 10 opponent models it's um it's quite an uphill battle for them um the the most challenging one overall was uh, will champion um with like 28 i think fountain court guard um and, and d7 models against my strength four heroes is uh is really really tough so that was it was played really well we had a couple games game four and game six oh. uh, we went head to head against each other all oh, right so um, so you were duking it out twice did you win both games or or was it a, a draw in the first one I won the first one um, quite uh, quite by a decent margin. It was 6-0. Um, it, it was a decent win. And then the last game, um, I, I was the only person on five wins going into the last game. So I knew I could be a bit more relaxed about it. I didn't need a significant win. So I, I played that 
I, I probably got a little bit arrogant and played a bit more casually than I would have done and um, and took the loss, but by a small enough margin to to just get the win there. But he was, yeah, I, I took a few bad turns in combat in that last game and he capitalised on that brilliantly and absolutely smashed down the Elf Army. Oh, now so. that's interesting though, because, um, so it means that nobody won six, uh, all six games at, at this event, which is yes. with 62 players. Uh, yeah, that that's, that, I mean, it's obviously possible. And you mentioned, was it was it Ken who you mentioned earlier? Was it Ken? Oh, yes, Ken. yes. I'm, tr- I'm trying to find him on the list. He must must go under a different name on Facebook or something like that. But uh, either way, uh, in- interesting uh, that that you it, you didn't manage to win um, both games against Will and, and therefore you know we, we just came out on top. I guess that's just largely down to your uh, the the strength of victory um, in all of the other games that you were playing. Yeah, I managed to get quite well in my my first five victories. There was quite a large margin mm. between. Um, what we'd sort of calculated between me and Will, we had a rough idea of where we were at, um, which is I think why I was a bit more comfortable with it. I probably would have played it quite differently if I thought I was at risk, a uh, major risk of um, dropping down. But um, at the same time, I was really tired come game six and I kind of just wanted it all to end. Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, it, it was an exhausting... I, I think even I only played three of the games uh, and I found it exhausting myself because I, yeah. I think it just the quality of players at this event were, was really, really high, even even as I was going slowly and further and further down the field. So um, <laughs> I think it's Ken Wilson. Uh, shout out to him who you played. Um, ah, still on, yes. Yeah, um, brilliant. Well, either way, uh, it, it's cracking uh, to, to hear you you're doing so well again. Uh, three uh, really, really uh, good performances on the trot uh, and with an army, as I said, that has in the past been criticised or sort of dismissed, I suppose. But clearly, clearly it's an army that, that can do well in the right hands uh, and it may well even catapult you to being the, um, the the best newcomer in the Great British Hobbit League this season. Uh, I, I, I think the scores will be slowly drifting into the, uh, into the ranking tables uh, on the GBHL website. But uh, I know you were very close or I think you were either on the podium already or very close to uh, being the top player at the at the start of uh, or before this tournament so i think uh, based on this performance you should should be at the top so that's that must be quite an achievement or uh, makes you proud yes absolutely i'm uh, i'm hopeful now after this result it was looking a little bit uh, a little bit close i think but um after this one now yeah fingers crossed uh, it's enough to put me up in the top spot and Maybe even who knows? I could just keep going and uh, try for league champion. Why not? Let's ah, let's well, go all the way. Well, Why not? It's it's certainly not impossible based on the last couple of uh, the scores. If you win one more, I think you could certainly be in with a chance. So uh, Jake, uh, we'll be watching very keenly uh, where where you go next, and and I suppose trying to avoid you if we're playing uh, a tournament <laughs> ourselves, uh, knowing that you'll just trample over us. Uh, either way, uh... <laughs> oh, don't put that pressure on me now. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jake, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, taking some extra time out of your. Uh, your day after I didn't catch you at the end of the tournament. Uh, I really appreciate you coming and talking to us on Emmy. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. And that's it. Thank you so much to Jake. Um, I know, uh, it, you know, this was a day or so after the tournament and, uh, you know, not, not everyone wants to spend uh, 10, 15 minutes or whatever it was um, talking to someone at the end of uh, a, a day at work uh, after the weekend about Toy Soldiers. Um, it's not so bad when you've just finished the tournament and I've thrust the microphone in your face you don't really have much choice. But uh, actually going out of your way to arrange something with me, I really appreciate that. Uh, so thank you so much. Um, also, big shout out to uh, Clayton White and Julian Hammond who drew exactly even on the Best Painted Award. Clayton has an absolutely fantastic Easterling army. I mean, I'm quite happy with mine. I think he looks pretty cool. 
Um, Clayton's just, you know, you might as well have painted mine with a, you know, a shoe brush covered in dog shit um, com- when you compare it to Clayton's because his just looked absolutely gorgeous. So um, thank you very much uh, to uh, to uh, Clayton for providing some uh, wonderful, wonderful Eastlings to the world. Um, I'm sure they're all on Facebook. In fact, I think I think Owen Wright did a. Um, uh, a big post on the Great British Hobbit League, so search that out for the Unnumbered Tears or Owen Wright or something like that. And there's some good pictures of the army. Uh, and uh, Julian Hammond, who um, has has gone on the name for himself for being an absolutely fantastic painter and regularly winning Best Painted awards with his Rohan army, um, and a well-deserving um, uh, draw there. It's I'm, in some ways both armies were so good. Uh, it would have been a shame for one of them to to win um, because they were both so good. Um, but of course, uh, you know, it's nice it's nice to share that award. So brilliant. Well done to both of them. Uh, and that's about it. I, I don't. I'm afraid I don't remember. I don't have it to hand who the uh, most sporting uh, winner was and things like that. But either either way, um, I think it was it Larry Vickers. I don't know. Uh, Larry Vickers was certainly the um, pretty much the last place. I think uh, maybe that was wrong. Anyway, um, I I, w- I would say I was proud, but I'm not. I'm, I came 43rd out of 57, um, so not my finest hour. But we come back very soon in a rings of power inspired army not really because i've been working on it for a very long very, very long time but uh, at the right time i've got one of my favorite characters from the rings of power actually i'm really enjoying um, seeing uh, the interpretation of elendil uh, he he has a rugged face he looks like he's been sort of you know beaten up a bit and he looks a bit rugged and old and kind of cool not old in an old kind of way but old in a kind of aragorn kind of way not like a young hip trendy cool dude he's just a bit cool and rugged and i love him Elendil, he's great i really like the portrayal of him in the new um uh, rings of power series um and i I can't wait to see where where his sort of story leads although of course we all know where it leads it'd be cool to see how he gets there um so I'm really excited to bring uh, Elendil and some Numenor to the tabletop and we'll find out exactly what combination I'll be bringing and how it fares in the next episode. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Boorarum.